Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch, Eric Steven. Your name is Eric Steven, not Eric Birch, despite what the previous recording said. We're here to talk uh, uh, about baseball and our episode last week. We ran a couple of polls to flesh out our ragtag all-time Dodger team. Uh, uh, There's some actual sort of baseball news that got leaked out. So I think we're going to talk about that. Uh, We've got all all the normal stuff. Our kind fake of, team, our fake team is complete, and a possible real team might be closer or might not be. We'll, we'll yeah, see. we'll we'll see about that, but we'll talk about it uh, for sure. Nothing, nothing else to talk about. So we'll do that after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We mentioned this when the virus really got started, but it just has to be rough being at ESPN right now. Yeah, like, well, I would, I would say this, like... Like, they're bringing out the good stuff, right? We've got yeah. uh, The Last Dance is going on. The uh, Doc Holiday uh, documentary is coming, Imperfect is coming oh. out uh, in, in May, and it looks really, really good. But at the same time, for the actual shows, there's just so little to talk about. Well, so, and then, like, it's a problem on a lot of friends. On one hand... They have an immense catalog of like old sports that they could show, literally show, which is great. And they, but you know, at a certain, there's like a saturation point at some point. Like, you know, I think they showed like the game seven of the Lakers Celtics 2010 NBA finals, like, uh, like probably 10 times at least. And, um, but also like they, they've sort of the last, I would say 20 years or so have sort of morphed, um, into a like this formula of like the talking head shows and like right. shouting at each other shows and this just gives more time for that which is like the worst <laughs> and like so that you know that that's like a problem but because also the the 
the shows like have less to talk about and it just becomes more like hyperbolic and war and just terrible. So yeah, it's a bad time. Like you have to get real creative on some of this, but yeah. I hope all also, other shows adopt your and I's plan of this major league roster that we did last week. I agree. Like they should talk about, um, P Ridge day and Bill Bergen and Jigger stats like every, <laughs> every night, like that should be leading the Scott Van Pelt sports center. So I'm when we board. we signed off, you and I sort of disagreed on who should fill the utility bench spot uh, on our team, as well as the last uh, or the last two, I guess, last one or two uh, starting pitching spots. And we ran a user poll, and we have results. Yep. So we we had our team mostly filled out. Uh, we decided on Fred McGriff at first base, leaving the utility spot between a left-handed bat in Hesop Choi and a right-handed bat in High Pockets Kelly. And, you know, I think this is a uh, familiarity thing because High Pockets Kelly is, you know, over a century ago, even though he has the awesome nickname High Pockets Kelly. Um, he stopped Choi won 61% to 39%, so he's our utility man. Um, for the pitchers, we had um, Kaz Ishii and Dan Heron in the rotation. And we were decide- leaving the final two spots up to three, like, uh, dead ball era pitchers. With awesome names, it was Mysterious Walker, P. Ridge Day, and Boom Boom Beck. Boom Boom Beck got two-thirds of the vote um, there, so he, he took one of the spots. And then I just was I said, I'm going to just choose the top two vote-getters. And P. Ridge Day only had 8%, while Mysterious Walker had 25%. So Both um, members of the epic P. Ridge Day High Pockets Kelly trade of 1932, I think. I don't have my notes up. I might, uh, be, might be wrong, but... Uh, both members didn't make it, but that that's okay. I think they'll be great in the, the sequel, the major or major league two oh, roster. Yeah, and 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 don't forget, there's also major league three back to the minors. So we I was about to say, <laughs> speaking of back to the minors, there's that movie. That movie launched Walton Goggins, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, and I that was a point where uh, I was living in Long Beach at the time, and we had HBO, me and my roommates and stuff, and so. For some reason, one summer or something, that movie was on every day, and I watched it every day. <laughs> and so I am way too familiar with that movie. I, like it shouldn't be watched more than like twice, and I think I've probably seen it fifteen times, which is terrible. But anyway, uh, we have our team. I took the liberty. We could obviously talk about this, but I sort of arranged our our team in a lineup. I'm just going to reveal it to you. Obviously, we can we can maneuver this however we decide. But so I, I don't know. It's I don't always start at the top. Sometimes you like go well. These these people need to be in the middle, and then you figure it out from there. But I was looking at this, and then there's like <laughs> look. These were generally bad people with the Dodgers. Like, but you know, a lot of them had a, a lot of success elsewhere. The only one who really fit the leadoff position for me was Eric Davis. I suppose Bobby Valentine in like a 60s and 70s way um, could be, but he didn't really do much. So I have him second, but almost by default, because then you look at uh, the rest, like Alfredo Griffin and Bill Bergen have to be at the bottom of the order. And like, I even, I went so far as to have our, we're going to go Tony La Russa this up and uh, starting pitcher batting eighth, Bill Bergen ninth, because you have to. It's a matter. It's not a matter of respect to have Bill Bergen, the worst hitting, worst hitter in Major League history, bat ninth. I think you just have to have it that way. So Alfredo Griffin seventh, and then the rest of it, I just went. I guess we could. This could go either way. I probably should have put Bonilla ahead of McGriff, but I just have it ordered here as McGriff third, 
Bonilla cleanup, Andrew Jones fifth, Jiggerstat sixth. Do you have any objection to that? Um, no, or what, yeah, yeah, I could see uh, either moving McGriff or Bonilla into the the second spot and have Bobby Valentine back a little behind that, but I don't yeah. know. And honestly, like if you said I want to have Eric Davis third, I'm not going to argue. He's probably my favorite player in this lineup. Um, Other than Jigger uh, Stats. Well, obviously, yeah. So it's a tough one. And then for the for the uh, order, I, in my head, I was thinking Kaz Ishii was going to be the ace. But I think <laughs> the people have spoken, and they were so happy about Boom, ba- Boom, Boom back. Also, Kaz Ishii's our only left-hander. And I didn't. I didn't want to. Well, I guess we have three right right handers in a row, no matter how you slice it, because you just keep going through the order. But I, I sort of broke them up here, like assuming. Let's assume for a second this is a playoff team, which is, you know, what they did in Major League. So boom, boom, back the ace, Kaz Ishii, the number two, Heron three, and then our wild man, Mysterious Walker, fourth in the rotation. I, I listed Yancy Brazaban ahead of Joe Kelly just because he had more. Closing experience with the Dodgers, <laughs> so like, but obviously these are interchangeable. We only have two relievers; they're going to both get a lot of work. So, uh, what do you what do you think? I, I'm pretty happy with the team, uh, um, and obviously we're and since we're contracted to do two sequels, uh, pretty happy about the the future of this franchise. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Uh, so um, we have news. Speaking of back to the minors there's a lot of players that might not be going back to the minors oh that you know what thought of that two hours ago and i i I had to force it you're you're the uh the monty of uh this although i'm not and not to say i'm the bob euchre i'm just saying that was a dynamite drop in that was that was beautiful um so yeah so there's a yeah couple news uh, pieces here one is today um, uh, Major League Baseball owners sort of approved them within themselves their proposal they're sending to players to, that sort of outlines how the season's going to get restarted. But as a backdrop of this, um, last week, this hasn't now actually been officially announced yet, but it's been reported in just about everywhere that the, the draft this year is going to be five rounds. It's normally 40. So, um, you know, it's they agreed to this back in March. Uh, the players and the owners, uh, the players, as one of their concessions to the owners who are looking to cut costs, they said, "Look, we're we're going to cut the draft this year next." I think I've read a couple accounts of this that during initial talks there, um, MLB owners wanted to do no draft this year because, you know, why not? Like, but yeah, that's 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 very extreme. It's also like. I don't want to get into like the full details of this, but it's it's very short sighted to me, in that the draft is like one of the cheapest um, like investments and like best return on investment in, in total. Obviously, there are bus draft picks, but you're the amount you're paying for bonuses, and then like even um, you know developing these players is minuscule compared to if like one or two of them hit as a major leaguer. Uh, so like, it's one of the better investments you can make. And by cutting, okay, you cut the draft by 35 rounds. That's drastic. It's a one year thing. Next year they can cut it to 20 if they had to. Now, um, what you're also doing is cutting the signing bonus pool, which is usually the, the slot bonuses for the first 10 rounds. And then any extra bonuses you pay after get added to that. Now this year, there's a rule where anyone who doesn't get drafted can only sign for 20 grand. 
So like you're there's gonna it's gonna mess up like a lot of things like college rosters are gonna get like um you know like bloated because of this because uh, so there's a lot of high school players who aren't gonna go pro. Also the signing bonuses are deferred. I think the the players only get like a hundred thousand this year and then the rest is split into in half the next two years. So like if you're a high school kid, you're like. I mean, look, it, I'm not like I would take a hundred thousand dollars in Harvey, but I'm not them, but I'm just saying like, uh, there's incentive to like, just wait it out, you know, until like a more advantageous time or whatever because of that, maybe, but it's also conveniently timed with uh, major league baseball and minor league baseball in a separate fight. They're trying to figure out what to do going forward. MLB wants to contract about 40 to 42 teams about a quarter of the total minor leagues, it's mostly the lower levels, to sort of consolidate and, and again, save money there. So, and if you look at it, like, um, let's say, what, I think, what is it? Uh, yeah, 42 teams and it, uh, have a 25-man roster on a minor league team. That's 1,050 players. 35 rounds, 30 players in a draft that you cut. Hey, look, that's a thousand and fifty players. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not one to one because uh, teams don't sign all forty draft picks usually, and you know some of these players aren't going to play necessarily the lower levels. But, but it's 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 fitting timing, I will say. But if you look at it for the signing bonus thing, the bonus pool, the total savings to the team, the teams are is like just under thirty million. So literally, the teams are saving. Uh, about a million dollars this year by doing that, plus the long-term benefits of sort of um, co- cost consolidating or um, you know cutting costs there. I'll, even though it, it, it is short-sighted given the investment of it, but this is sort of their plan. So that's sort of the backdrop of what we're talking about in terms of starting the major league season. In that the players and the owners, um, the major league players, the ones on the forty-man roster, because minor leaguers aren't on um, the 40 man and they're not in the union. So they get a lot of their, um, they've gotten sort of sold down the river a lot in the name of um, the union, I think in in a lot of this over the years. Um, But anyway, so they agreed back in March, the players and the owners, uh, the big things there were the players got service time, uh, like guarantees and the owners got cost certainty. So like if there's no 2020 season, the the most the owners would pay is four percent of the salaries. It's about 170 million. The players in total are going to make like 4.2 or 3 million in a normal year this year. So uh, while the players get whatever they got in service time last year, if the season doesn't happen, so like you know your regulars like a Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, even Chris Taylor, um, those are they just get whatever they got last year, which is usually a full year. But some players like Gavin Lux. You know, maybe it's less advantageous, but they're also rookies, so whatever. But it, they get like he would get twenty nine days because he got that last year. But that's it again if no season. So they also agreed that player salaries would be prorated um, if they do a shortened season. So from the players' association standpoint, that part of the ne- negotiation is over, and they've like said as much in multiple interviews since. And then part of this proposal today. Uh, I haven't seen exact numbers on how they want to cut um, salaries, but they want further cuts in addition to prorated. So uh, let's say this, the, the, I think the length of the season, I believe, is 82 games. There's been multiple reports. Some say 78, some say 80, some say 82. 
but roughly half a season. So in, in according to the March agreement, the players should get, according to what they agreed to, uh, half their salary this year. Now, what the owners are proposing are further cuts beyond that because they're going to play with games, games with no fans for a lot of the season, if not all of it. So that's where the fight is, sort of right now. This is also in addition to... We don't know if it's safe yet to play. Like they're talking about, like July Fourth, I believe, is the rough uh, start time of this. So um, th- there's all sorts of concerns. Obviously, the there has to be substantial testing. There has to be a policy in place. Like if a player tests positive, uh, do you uh, do you quarantine him? How many people do you quarantine? Do you have to quarantine his family? Do you how do you handle the stadium workers? How do you handle the staff? The players, you know, a younger, healthier group are less at risk for damage to themselves. But just by traveling around, there's going to be limited travel because it's going to be more regional based. Like you're only you're probably only going to play within your division and the other uh, interleague division on your in your area. So like NLS plays NLS and ALS, but you're still traveling to these other cities. So you're, you're still spreading it around if you're a carrier or whatever, but. it's there's a lot to solve aside from the money but i think the money is going to be where some of the fight is but also i think the players want to get assurances that it's going to be like a safe environment because we've seen um some of the things where like clayton kershaw doesn't want to have to like uh, even mike trout said this his wife's expecting a baby soon um they don't want to like quarantine and be away from their family for months at a time and that's completely understandable um but you know who knows that like and that's if things are even safe enough to play so obviously there's a lot of time between now and july 4th maybe we'll get to that point maybe we won't but they just at least they have sort of a framework in place now it's just a matter of figuring out um if the two sides are going to make a deal as a fan of arbitrary percentages as i know you are what, <laughs> what give me some odds that you think this is gonna the players are going to either agree to this exactly or agree to something that actually looks like this I, I think it's pretty high. Like I it's I would say like eighty three percent, eighty three point seven percent. Thank you. <laughs> I need at so, least a point in there. So like, and it's probably it's definitely going to be like some sort of revised thing. Like mostly because I think the players generally want to play. Obviously, again, it has to be safe. And there's a, there's in while this could be a fight. Like the players' union today said, um, Tony Clark said. Any att- oh, so I think the other key point of the ownership thing is they, they're proposing revenue sharing, which technically doesn't exist in baseball, like per the CBA, but they for this year only, like a, um, a, a 50-50 split of revenues. Now there's probably concerns. It's probably in the proposal, maybe it won't be made public or not, but just what MLB counts as revenue, um, because you could obviously, there could be accounting tricks in there, things like that. And it's like a 50-50 split. Given what the industry sort of uses as the numbers, the players have generally been around there 50% for like over a decade. So I think last year was 48 and a half. Um, so it like on the one hand, it sounds like good. And I, the other aspect of this is like the ownership side of this sort of leaked first. And for some reason, like fans tend to side with the millionaires over the billionaires, like in a weird way, like. Players are always painted as the greedy ones, so I think part of that was a PR move um, in this. But I think I think there's like a way to make a deal because look at it this way: like, so if the players and owners already agreed to the prorated salary, that's agreed to. 
like now they're asking the players to take on extra risk because and like um, help fund ownership losses, right? Whereas on the flip side, when um, Major League Baseball sold like its um, streaming arm BAM Tech or uh, controlling stock to Disney in 2017, they sold it for about a billion and a half. Every owner got a check for 50 million. And that wasn't shared with the players. So, like, when they have a windfall, they don't turn to the players and go, hey, look at all this extra money. Here you go. I mean, they sort of do indirectly in the form of, like, the contracts might, you know, increase uh, over the next couple years. But that's generally how it works. So, like, the owners uh, are asking the players to sort of take on some of their risk. So, I think if there's some concessions the players could get, maybe they agree to some revised form of this. There's also reason to believe or that like um, the there's been good faith negotiations to this point relatively because if you look at it on one hand, like MLB per the CBA has the right because we're in a national emergency, um, they could suspend all major league contracts, but they didn't do that. They uh, Then they agreed to this thing in March about the 4%, so they, they're like being upfront about that. So that's a positive sign. Um, there's also going to be like another thing where – Owners are also you, – you have to think, like, who's signing a big free agent deal this this offseason? Like, Mookie Betts, yeah, because he's, like, elite. But, like, there's not going to be, like um, – there were, like, 11 uh, four years or, or longer free agent deals this last winter. We're not getting anywhere close to that. Everyone's going to be like, man, it was a tough year. Like, maybe we'll sign you to a two-year deal or something. But, like, Mookie Betts will probably get, like, a big deal. But big deal, like, relatively. Everyone was talking about $400 million for him before – He's not getting that now. Uh, like who, so the correction is going to be for the players is, like going this this next uh, season and maybe a little beyond. So it's weird for the owners to say, we need you to take on some of this burden now without like, you know, guaranteeing that they're not going to like completely gut spending later. So that that's where sort of the probably some of the balking uh, comes in. But we'll see. There's also another thing where if they do a 50-50 split, part of the the proposal is increased playoffs uh, from 10 to 14 teams and an extra uh, wild card round. And then there's like the the top seed in the league each gets a buy. Um, So extra playoffs means extra TV revenue. And if they do a split this year, players would get that revenue. Normally, the players postseason pool is derived from gate receipts. And there's a possibility that there's still not going to be fans or a very limited number of fans uh, come November uh, or whenever the playoffs are. Um, so players getting some postseason money as opposed to the the none or very little on gate receipts, that's a, that's a positive. That's something they can count as a, a sort of notch in their belt if they're willing to give something extra up. So that it's not a completely one-sided thing here. That's why I think they can probably work something out. So that, that's why I'm pretty high on it. I'm excited for the Dodgers rewind and its Simpsons implications, but I know huh. I wanted to make sure with you that you'd had uh, nothing else you wanted to touch base on before we moved on. Uh, so just part of the proposal, I mentioned it briefly that I, there would be end up being a little more interleague play as well, a lot more if you prorated over a real season, but it, it sounds like the most of the proposals. So if it's 82 games, it's basically going to be 13 games against every team in your division. So that's 52 games and then six games against the other five teams in the other division interleague play. So that's 30 interleague games, so like, you know, three-eighths of the schedule. 
uh, is interleague play. So there's going to be a lot more interleague play. Oh, also universal DH for this year only. Um, uh, and I think one of the questions from Craig uh, gets to that and we'll, we can talk about it. But my trivia question for you because of interleague play, which Dodger has the most home runs in interleague play? And keep in mind, this dates back to 1997. I'll answer that and a rewind in questions after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Read this question and for once in my life immediately had a guess. I feel like this came up for one reason or another recently in broadcasts. And if that's the case, I'm probably wrong. Uh, but I think at the very least, it's a good guess. Yeah. So my my guess is Sean Green. So I wanted to say that, like, um, normally I bombard you with some ridiculous old trivia question that's not in your era. This is at least it, in the vicinity since interleague play started in 1997. So, like, I'm not I'm not going uh, like too far out of your wheelhouse. Yeah, I will say you. Sean Green is third. Come. Okay. Uh, he had 16 home runs. Um, Andre Ethier had 17. In 159 interleague games, that's like a whole, literally a whole season of interleague play. Uh, Yasiel Puig has 14, so does Jack Peterson. Uh, but the number one by far, and he did it in a very relatively short amount of time, Eric Karros. Okay. T- yeah, 25 <laughs> in six years only with the Dodgers. So 83 games, so <laughs> like half a season and he did 25 home runs. He's the Dodgers' all-time uh, leader in home run. In home run. It's sort of a like a, a hipster avoidance thing where you don't want to guess Eric Karras for all of these right. countable <laughs> records uh, yeah. and the era which he played because uh, he he tends to hold a lot of them. But that's yeah, it's like oh, he is the L.A. Dodger home run leader. So like, but that said, you know, it it, it really was like a, very, a relatively short amount of time, only six years. Uh, so yeah, that, that, I was surprised on how large of a gap he had a lead of. So Dodgers Rewind, a player I think almost all of our listeners have heard of. I hope so, at least. But we may have oh, some man. newer fans. So Yeah. So it would be, like, yeah, personally crushing uh, if people don't. But that's good. You know, we're that's where we're here. We're telling people about Dodgers they might not know about. This is probably on the more famous side. But uh, today today's Dodger Rewind is Steve Sachs. Um, now, uh, I, I wanted to do with – I tried to – if I can come up with some sort of tie-in to relevant news, I will. And the the one thing I was thinking of this year, uh, uh, this week was, the last dance has sort of occupied my Sunday nights. Uh, the last four Sundays, it's been compelling TV. Sure, 
like uh, it's Michael Jordan produced and it's very one-sided in its narration but that said it's awesome <laughs> it's been really fun to watch two hours every Sunday this week uh, part of the focus was when he quit the first time he retired uh, from basketball and went to play minor league baseball his his full season in double-a uh, was 1994 with the Birmingham Barons Terry Francona was his manager so I looked and uh, checked to see what future major leaguers were on that team and expecting to see like a young minor leaguer who later came up and was trying to figure out like, you know, maybe a future Dodger was in there. But what turned out, what I found was a past Dodger. Um, uh, Steve Sachs, who was in his final big league season that year, 1994, he played for, he played seven games with Birmingham. I have to believe, I couldn't find anything on this, but I have to believe it was a, like an injury rehab or something. Um, and, he only played seven games in the majors that year too. So like he was, he was done. I think he was hurt, but uh, just a little uh, backstory on Sachs. So Sachs came along in 1981, uh, you know, played a little bit then. Um, he was the first to sort of uh, quote unquote break up the infield. The Dodgers were going with a younger uh, group of players and Davey Lopes was the first of the four traded uh, they traded him in uh, February 1982 to the A's. That opened up a door for Sachs, and Sachs, all he did was win Rookie of the Year. He was really good. He stole 50 bases. Um, it was the fourth Rookie of the Year in a row for the Dodgers. That was, a at the time, a record. The Dodgers would have five straight in the 90s um, to break that. And then uh, for the infield, like uh, Ron Say was traded after 1982, and Garvey left that offseason as a free agent. So they were sort of, you know, slowly easing these people out for younger players. But... Uh, Sachs played uh, seven full seasons with the Dodgers before he uh, signed with the Yankees after the 88 uh, World Series. Uh, he signed as a free agent, but he was durable. He, he was like their leadoff hitter basically from day one uh, for the most part, and uh, he averaged 151 games. He averaged 80 runs a year, 41 steals. He, he averaged 2.2 war. He was a 97 OPS plus hitter. Although the only season he had uh, of at least 100 OPS was 1986. That was his best year. He was 137. He hit 332 that year with a 390 on base. He was second in the batting race to Tim Raines. So that was really close. He was a three-time All-Star with the Dodgers, including 86. And then he made the All-Star team five times overall. I will note that uh, as in all things, I will try to bring it back to 1988. Uh, in the postseason that year, he played every inning at second base. He had all of his hits were singles. He had no extra base hits in the postseason, but he batted 280 with a 357 on base, uh, batting leadoff. And he had at least one hit in 11 of the 12 games. And the one game he didn't have a hit, he walked twice. Uh, he scored 10 runs, including scoring at least a run in nine of the 12 games. And he stole seven out of 10 bases. So he did like pretty much exactly what you ask of a leadoff guy that, that postseason. And I love when Kurt Gibson's rounding the bases in game one. Steve Sachs is so excited and he runs up like as Gibson's like running home. And then it's like all of a sudden he realized like I touched Gibson right now. He's going to be called out or something. And he pulls his hands back. It's really funny if you like slow it down to watch it. Like I, I've never asked him about this or had the opportunity to talk to him about it. But it always struck me as funny. Like he suddenly like Gibson was hot lava and he like, I can't touch him. I can't touch him. And, uh, yeah, so I just thought that was funny. But also, and then uh, once he was on... Um, yeah, more the, infamously charged with every the, murder, unsolved murder in New York City. 
that's right and and also but yeah like imagine that like he is i think he's known to a lot of people less for the dodgers and more because he was in that simpsons episode in, as one of the the ringers uh for the springfield nuclear power plant uh so imagine like they're making like a major league all-star team uh and like steve Sachs was in there mike Sosha was too but yeah like just a uh, who's who of baseballers in that episode and and he was there so good for him are you ready I am so ready. It's time for With Dibs and Craig. We, we love, love him. him. Wow. As you, <laughs> do you have that timed? Nope. I hope so. Uh, because certainly we don't have an editor to make it seem like you perfectly <laughs> timed that. Get, get Thanks, to work. Brian. Thank you, Brian. Brian, Brian Salvatore, awesome. It's it's a great that we did Steve Sachs as uh, Craig did not. Uh, have a Simpsons question uh, for us this this week. Uh, good, we can take a break um, yep. from it. But he's going to make me talk about a different TV show. But before that, the Dodgers had a designated hitter for the 2020 season. Which Dodger would lead the team in batting the ninth spot? Bonus part: Would that player have more than 50 plate appearances than the next player who would bat in that spot? So. I was looking at this, you know, in, in a normal year, there's only 20 interleague games the whole year and 10 in American League Park. So you only have 10 such opportunities. Last year, uh, if Will Smith wasn't the catcher and it was still like Austin Barnes' job, the easy answer would be Austin Barnes, I think, here. He started it, five. It's not, the, it's not. So here's yeah. a question for you uh, as a fan it's of not the always, National no, It's team. not always bad. It's, it's not always the worst year. hitter. And a lot of times yeah. it'll be. Amongst your worst hitters, the most that sort of resembles a leadoff, right? Yeah, someone that right. has a little bit of speed, a little bit of on base skills. It, it's like uh, in which Austin Barnes is a good pick, even even when he's struggling. His his ability to get on base was was one of his better skills. And, and I think part of it is like after the first inning, you want to you're basically like creating like that, uh, not quite a top of the order, but a more conducive like grouping of the hitters together uh that's what you're sort of looking for but so i i think like will smith is probably gonna bat like seventh or eighth maybe maybe in some time six if he's hot or something but uh so like you know like you think about it this way like aj pollock and jock peterson like maybe are gonna split less time if there's a dh and they just figure out ways to maneuver guys in um, for more playing time. I think Gavin Lux gets a lot, uh, maybe a lot more playing time here if he's up. Um, I would I would guess Gavin Lux leads, but I, I think it's it, it wouldn't be enough of a lead, of whoever has it, to have like 50 more plate appearances than the other guy. Then again, 80 games is a lot, so maybe they find a, uh, something they like and stick to like – because I think they would be comfortable, like in a normal situation, like some nights Lux would bat second in a normal lineup. So, like, uh, maybe you hit him ninth, and you just have all the power, like throughout the lineup, and he, he's going to have some power too. But then every other time, you, then you go like Lux, and then Betts is is lead off maybe, and uh, you have like some combo of Muncy, Turner, Bellinger after that. Like that's that's pretty solid. So, like, I would guess Lux, but then there's also the caveat of maybe Lux doesn't start the year with the team. Maybe it's Kike if he's playing more. Maybe a Chris Taylor. So, it, that's why I think it's going to be a mishmash. But 
Uh, I would guess Gavin Lux, but that's more just a guess at this point. Uh, about a year has passed since the Game of Thrones series ended. I want to ask Jacob his thoughts about the series and how it concluded. Do you watch Parks and Rec? Yes. There, there's this bit they go to now and then where they kind of like almost troll uh, Ben Wyatt into revealing how geeky he is at various moments. And he, the there's this, well, sure. Yeah. But like when he talks about, uh, uh, the, 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 there's him getting the Batman costume or him talking about game oh, of Thrones, right. yeah. uh, happens with game of Thrones a lot. And there's, he always has this just a little bit of hesitation where he doesn't want to talk, you know, go to that geeky level that he knows no one else is on, but he eventually yeah. can't help himself. He does it. That's sort of how I feel right now. Uh, I am a book reader of the Game of Thrones series, so I have capital O opinions on this. I'm not going to try to go too in deep, uh, but I'll say uh, basically the first uh, four seasons of Game of Thrones and then a good smattering of what after is extremely good TV. Um, Season finale of season six, Winds of Winter, uh, one of the better uh, episodes of TV, I think. Um, but you could kind of tell what the show did, especially, I think this is more apparent if you've read the books, is um, these characters need to end up in a spot. George R. R. Martin clearly told them this is what the ending is, Uh, and that requires some evolution of certain characters, Daenerys and Jaime uh, and Cersei's part, to like basically make them less likable and more and harder to to be attracted to and harder to kind of root for. Uh, and they just decided to save all of that development for the last two and a half episodes hmm. and to the point where it wasn't developed. So a lot of the last season, um, and not just the last season, the last half of the last season, I actually really enjoyed the fir- uh, the second episode of the last season. Um, they basically just rushed it and said, well, this is how it ends, so this is what we have to do. But it felt really incongruent, didn't make a lot of sense, uh, and it felt rushed and i think that basically sums up i think what the common opinion of it is uh there were things i still liked about it i still am glad that i devoted a lot of time to paying attention to it but it was pretty disappointing to see how it ended yeah i did not really watch it i saw toward in the last season i ended up like falling into some clips of it like earlier clips and stuff so I know some of the bigger things, but like only like the very base level of it. So uh, I just remember people being really mad at that <laughs> that finale, just gen- or just last season in general. But yeah, I, uh, other than that, I don't really have an opinion on it. My, uh, I'm more forgiving and it's a general of entertainment. I, I like being entertained and as long as it does it. I, I mentioned before, I am a big fan of really bad crime shows. Uh, yeah. So for me to not, generally like something says a lot uh and if we ever get melissa on the show she and craig wants to ask that question she has the same opinion but much much stronger than i do she was not happy at all yeah what will happen first major league baseball starts spring training that's in quotes or the nba restarts their season or the nfl opens up their training camps so i think um the plan uh, the tentative plan, I believe, is for MLB to start this regular season around July 4th-ish. Um, so they would need probably two to three weeks of like training, and that might end up being like inter-squad games at your own bar park if that's where they're playing. Um, that could be in June. Uh, the problem is another sort of 
obstacle here is, especially for California, who's been one of the more um, like progressive states in terms of, uh, or aggressive, I should say, in, in terms of like enforcing like social distancing and, and stay-at-home orders and things like that. Gavin Newsom today, I believe, said um, he received assurances from Rob Manfred that they wouldn't, baseball wouldn't violate like any state orders and things like that. And he said, we'll see about July, like, you know, like if it's going to happen. And so like, obviously there's a lot that needs to happen before, between now and then, but it's hard to say if that's the plan that players could do something, play like inter-squad games in June, like at Dodger stadium. So that'll be a hard thing to figure out, but let's assume that for a second that, you know, things go forward at sort of as planned. You're talking about mid June for, um, for baseball. NBA ha- had a thing where they're like tentatively, they're not doing practices, but they're opening facilities to people, to players. But like coaches can't be around, I believe, and it has to comply with state orders. And like you, it's basically like so the gym can be open for guys, but it, I think only like a couple at a time. So it's not like actual basketball practice, but you can see that sort of forming. Um, NBA seems more open to like doing things like waiting and making sure things are healthy. And, and so I think MLB is probably leaning on the, we need to get back out there side of things more so than the NBA is, at least from the executive level. Um, and NFL, like their season doesn't start till like September camps, what they don't open till like July. So I think it's a matter of will MLB start before NFL training camp starts. So I, I would I would guess I would guess if if it's safe enough for NFL to have training camp, it would be safe enough for MLB to have spring training. So I think MLB starts first of those three. I, I'm leaning towards it. I think the other thing in baseball's favor is it's just a safer game to play with all of this. There's basically no real contact um outside of kind of being near each other on the bases. So uh, versus basketball and football, which are extremely high contact. So uh, plus they're going to outlaw spitting. So I mean, <laughs> so yeah, totally we'll yeah. we'll yeah we'll see. Um, I think a lot of this will depend. A lot of for each league will be the contingency on what happens if there's an infection, and no one's really kind of committed to a plan there. So uh, and uh, about that, like Buster only was sort of tweeting out these like questions. It, you know, it's one of those things some reporters do where. You could tell he's like talking to people, and I think he's floating some ideas that general people have discussed. But like his one of his questions was like, "What do you do um, if if a player gets traded, uh, like in season, right? If if say the Dodgers get someone from the Braves, so someone from Atlanta is it flies to Los Angeles, does he have to quarantine for two weeks before he could play?" <laughs> Like, how is this all working? You know, like there's so many like weird questions about all this. And there, I think one of the things that uh, there's going to be like possibly expanded rosters, but there have to be things in place to where person goes on, like has uh, is take, has a positive test. They're kind of out for two weeks. But then also, what's the ripple effect? How many people is that going to affect? So yeah, that's where it gets dicey. And we don't know what what the plan is yet, but I think that's what they have to solve. But yeah, it's just one of those things that makes this all very, very bizarre. 
Recently, Trouble LA has watched Game 1 and Game 4 of the 1988 NLCS. In both games, the starting pitchers, Oral, Hershiser, and Dwight Gooden, gave up runs in the ninth inning that would cost their teams the game. In today's social media world, which manager would have been roasted more for those decisions? Okay, so uh, we're also, I would point out, we're, uh, we're doing, we do watch parties three times a week. This Thursday, we're watching Game 5 of the 88 NLCS. Uh, Blake's running those on Thursdays and we're going to finish through that series. So three more games to go there. But, um, so the backdrop of this, so game one, you have Oral Hershiser, um, who at the time he was up two nothing entering the ninth. So not only did he end the season with 59 straight scoreless innings, he had eight scoreless innings in this game. So he had a 67 inning scoreless streak, hadn't pitched fewer than nine innings in a game since mid August. Um, and then he gave up one run and then uh, left the game with the lead and two run- runners on base, two to one. And then Jay Howell gave up the run. Uh, one of the uh, both runs charged to Hershiser, uh, and he got the loss. But in game four, Dwight Gooden and the Mets were up 4 2, he, and he was cruising. The Mets were about to have a 3 1 series lead. He walked Mike Davis, Mike Davis's other famous walk that postseason. And then uh, Mike Sosha was sitting fastball and absolutely crushed a pitch uh, for a game-tying home run, and the Dodgers ended up winning in extras. So I, I was thinking about this. There's no way um, – you have to assume for a second that, look, aside from like people going, third time through the order, let's assume like that's not part of the equation here, right? Like sort of the rules of the time or just given the context of it, I think if anything, Lasorda would get ripped, but not. Um, I I think he would get ripped because he took Hershiser out, more so than Davy Johnson would get ripped for leaving Gooden in because Gooden was you know, he was in his what his fifth year, he was awesome like mm-hmm. he was so good like, and like of course you're going to leave your ace in to finish that game out like he's not going to give up a home run to Sosha who had like, I think like 35 home runs in his career like to that point so like. Yeah, like that's that's a that's just something that happened, and so, and I think had Lasorda left Hershiser in and Hershiser lost it, that's another thing. You're like, well, our, our ace lost it. You got to live with it. So I think if anything, Lasorda would get ripped because he pulled Hershiser, but then again, Jay Hal was very effective that year, and like Hershiser was laboring a bit, so you you kind of you kind of get it on some level. But like, yeah, I think. But I, generally, pretty tame. But I think Lasorda would get ripped more than Davy Johnson. Last question: A friend made pasta for the first time, and it turned out well. I know Eric is trying some new things while Jacob is getting ready for the new arrival. But I thought to ask: Is there anything you want to try to make for the first time in the near future? So, oh man, I was going to look up a YouTube video before we recorded because I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but. I'm going to make uh, sometime this week probably um, uh, sort of a weird version of, of kubide. Uh, it's basically just a like a beef um, skewer, um, uh, uh, Mediterranean food. And then to go with it, uh, also going to uh, make tomb, which is a, a garlic sauce. The, the kind you get, like it's really fluffy garlic sauce that you get like at usually in these those little two ounce plastic containers and like it's hard finding it anywhere else uh i'm gonna make it myself um 
probably going to be this week. Uh, yeah, I've been making stuff um, recently and just trying to get a little more, um, I guess, creative about it. I'm going to make a pasta romesco sauce at some point uh, in the near future. So, yeah, pretty excited about it. Uh, those are like the, the things that are sort of fresh in my mind right now. We're keeping it as simple as possible. Sure. Uh, we are uh, eight weeks away now. Uh, baseball mm-hmm. may start uh, on on the day of the birth, so that'll be oh. fun to see. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, we've been definitely cooking way, way, way more at home. Um, Mother's Day and Melissa's birthday were this past mm-hmm. weekend. So, But she wanted really uh, basic, rich stuff. She wanted a ra- lasagna ravioli. Uh, all pre-packaged stuff. I didn't have to make anything by hand. And she wanted cinnamon rolls against, again, one in the packaged version. So that was easy. I, like I didn't have to do anything new there. So I did make homemade mac and cheese for, I I think that's the first time I've made it. Like, I don't really eat mac and cheese a lot at home. And, and it, you know, when I was growing up, it was only in, out of the box. But, like, it was, it was excellent. I still have leftovers in my fridge. Uh, I loved it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sort of enjoying it, uh, cooking a little more and trying to find stuff to do. But uh, yeah, that, that, those are my exciting times right now is cooking. So it's not a bad. There's definitely going to be once this is all over, whenever that is, it'll be really interesting to kind of do the retrospective of uh, of the lighter things that changed in people's lives and and just the day to day. I imagine there's going to be a lot more working from home, just generally as people have adapted those skills uh and i think a lot more people being comfortable cooking will be one of those as well i saw too a new york times article i believe today said oat milk is up like 353 percent over last year because people are trying to make like uh uh, they're being baristas at home uh, is how it's sort of explained but Mm -hmm. uh, i thought that was kind of fun so yeah you're right like different uh, it's it's funny to see like just what things that people are sort of buying well, that's this episode, this potpourri episode. I believe it's pronounced potpourri. Good. Uh, we got that in there. I'm glad. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll figure out something to do next week. We won't get to the Major League sequel just yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll have something to talk about because we'll get to see more uh, this players, owners sort of negotiation play out a little bit over the next week or so. And uh, we'll, we'll always have something to talk about. But thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>